But this is ice cream with a different. Right, my son is shouting me, get the Oreo one. Yeah, get so you this Oreo is um, it's a minus 30 cold pan. You make fresh ice cream in front of your eyes. Um, do you like eating mess? Oh, yeah. Yes. With okay, so we start off with an eating mess. This episode of The Spike, we welcome Pan and Ice founder Henry Milroy. Henry set up Pan and Ice six years ago and has now turned into an ice cream sensation. If you haven't seen their kiosk before in Westfield and other locations, you may have seen them across social media. We speak to Henry about how he came across the idea, his favourite moment so far, and who his dream person to make an ice cream would be. As always, if you like the episode, hit follow, leave us a review and reach out to us via the Spike pod across all social media. Background, I used to serve Henry when I worked at the co-op where we used to live. That's where we first spoke. And then I think like and your mum works at the Jeep. I think your mum was there. She normally has my jabs from Uganda when I go out there. Yeah, there we go. Small world. Can you just explain a little bit about what you do? Back in June 2015, I was actually at the University of Birmingham at the time. I was doing mechanical engineering. Don't ask me why. Yeah. And anyway, after my second year summer exams, I went on a holiday to Thailand. It was like a two-week holiday. Me and my mate, South Thailand, it's like the islands, like Koh Phi Phi, Koh Tao, Koh Samui, et cetera. And then when we were on Koh Phi Phi, we were basically just really drunk one night, just having a good time. And we walked down one of these roads, these small, small little streets, and we saw a massive crowd of people. And then we went up to it and we were like, what's that? And then it turned out to be this ice cream roll thing. And that's how it all started. So then we looked at each other and said, let's bring it back to the UK. That's how Pan and Ice was born, really. It was all very random. There was no plan for it. And from that moment onwards, it was literally like, I completely focused on that. I dropped out of uni the next day whilst in Thailand. And that was it then, mate. So then it was all, all Pan and Ice from that moment onwards. See, I love hearing people about not going to uni or stuff like that. I've got a really big thing about uni that I really dislike it. Yeah. Someone called me out and they said that it's because I didn't go. It might be that. I don't, I don't think no, I'm that. the same about uni, mate. Honestly, I learned more in my first few days of running the business than I did in my whole two years. Uni's lovely. Like, I really enjoyed uni for like, the social side, the life skills side. Like just to have fun. But unless you want to be like doctor or something in particular, you know, a particular focus, then it's not, yeah, it's just a safety net that people just, you know, go to college, go to uni. It's the normal process. Like that's what your parents tell you to do. And then they just fall in line with that. And it's, I think times are changing now. So I personally wouldn't go, if I went back, I would not go to university. As a heads up, don't put that on LinkedIn. I did and I got abused. I got abused. I really? I still get abused. Did you? <laughs> That's good though, mate. At least you're being honest. Yeah, and I argued my case with the first like, 30 comments. Once it got past that, I was like, I'd give up. I was having people from like uni radio stations calling me out and I was like, who are you? I know. <laughs> Look at all you know, the successful entrepreneurs in the world. A lot of them... They, you know, their college dropouts, etc. If you want to be, yeah, it, it all depends, mate. It's all in context, isn't it? If you want to be an entrepreneur, do your own thing like we've done, you don't need it. But if you want to be, you know, a doctor, a mechanic in engineering or something like that, you know, you, need, you probably do need it. So there's, there's multiple sides of it. But from my particular journey, irrelevant. So you came back, you brought it back from Thailand with you. What, what did you do when you first got back then? Was it just finding the equipment? Testing out. Yeah, so the first steps were like, you know, like we, I didn't really have much experience in starting a business. So it was just like all the simple stuff, like get the logo done. So we contacted a mate who's like really good at art. So he did us the logo, the name, just came up with the name in Thailand. And then it was like we were in Thailand in June and we were coming back at the end of June. So we had like a couple months left of summer when we were back. So we wanted to like try like get out and do a, like a festival and event 
we came back and we just basically found out how we can get these machines. They were weird machines. They're not, we couldn't get them in the UK. I didn't even know what they were called. I remember I was just searching Google and everything. And finally I found one on Alibaba, like it's an ice roll plate. So we ordered them. Those machines came the day before our first ever event that we had booked. It's like this little, it's called Arlesford County Horse Show or something. And it was a little show and the machines, yeah, the machines arrived the night before. So we, we literally stayed up all night learning how to make the ice cream, finally did it. We also bought like a gazebo, our first initial setup was very simple. Um, we didn't really have a clue what we were doing. In terms of the menu, we had, it was like, we're looking back, back at it now, it makes me laugh. We had like a menu split over two sides of the kiosk. So like the customer would have to go to one side of the, the, sorry, the gazebo to choose like their base and they'd have to walk across the other side to then choose their like mix-ins and inclusions and stuff. So it just made absolutely no sense. Some of the mix-ins were granola and we literally had 10 different variations of granola thinking that was like a cool thing, but it was the most confusing thing. And I also remember that first show, we had a coffee machine and someone came up and ordered a coffee and we have literally never served a customer in our lives anything food related, especially someone ordered a coffee and they were, uh, this is the coffee machine where it has like, the names of the, each of the coffee and hot chocolate. So you just press a button and it makes it for you. But someone came up and ordered like a flat white and it didn't say flat white on the machine. So we just had no idea what she wanted. And we were like, so confused that like, wait, what, what is a flat white? We didn't even know it was a coffee. So it's just little things like that. We've literally come from the absolute bottom of knowledge um, to where we are now. Do you guys do Reading Festival? Yeah, so we we did Reading two or three times, yeah, and that was really good. When did you first? Really good. That's because I think I saw when you first did it. I think I was there the same year. It would have been two thousand sixteen or seventeen. That's when we first did it. Probably seventeen, I think. Because bearing in mind, the big festivals don't really let you in until you've got a bit of an establishment and you've got actually like product pictures and you look good. Obviously, when we first started, we had nothing. We were just literally selling people ideas, um, so they didn't let us in. We started off with festivals. So for the first few years, we just did loads and loads of festivals. And we eventually did some, re- all the big ones, really, apart from Glastonbury. We literally did all of them. And they were so much fun. We had like multiple different sites. So we could do in one festival, we could have like three different sites in there to cover as much ground. We could do multiple festivals at the same time. So we literally, yeah, it was, um, it, there was those were fun summers. But they take it out of you because it's literally like you do one festival, you come back, you get ready for the next one. Like you don't sleep at all. Like the whole summer is just jam packed full of festivals. Yeah, it was just really fun times. We don't do them anymore just because we kind of like want to evolve from that. We want it to not be a festival trader. We want to be an actual household brand. So we had to kind of step away from that side of the business and like focus on the future a bit more. They were very fun. I remember seeing someone with one of the pots with the ice cream and I was like, why do I know yeah. that? And it was because obviously where I used yeah. to serve you at the shop. And I was like, right. I was like, this is actually, I think that's where I saw that you guys were doing a lot more of it. And then I think I was speaking to your mum when I was having a jab and she said that you guys did Ready yeah. Festival. And I was like, right, that does make sense. I was like, so I'm pretty sure I saw them there. And then it's when it started to click. And that's when I think I started looking more into you guys. I know you've done stuff like Deontay Wilder now. There was a video. Oh, that was crazy. I'll tell you about that story. That's actually quite interesting. Yes, yes. Roll, baby, roll, shabby, roll. Uh, yes. Over. So it's a random day. I was um, going to my gym. I go to a place called White City House, which is like opposite Westfield in West London. So I was going there. I was with my girlfriend. We were going for lunch. And then as we were leaving, 
we were going from back to Westfield to check on the kiosk. As we were leaving, you know, I was walking out the White City house and I saw basically Deontay Wilder by the entrance. He was sat down with all of his crew. I'm, I'm a bit of a boxing fan, so I kind of knew him straight away and I went up to him and said, hey, you know, introduce myself. I don't really know how he got onto it, but anyway, I, I then started talking about the fact that I've got an ice cream company over the road. And then he started talking to me about he's launched, he, at the time he was launching these peanuts, like Deontay Wilder branded peanuts. Really weird. So like, his like entourage, they gave me some. And I said to them, oh, look, we can make these into an ice cream if you want. I sort of showed them the Instagram. They said, look, we're busy right now, but we'll call you later and we can come to your kiosk. So I can't take that with a pinch of salt, not expecting to hear any callback. I gave them my number, but I wasn't really expecting anything. So anyway, we went over to Westfield, me and my girlfriend, check up in the kiosk. And then we get the call. Someone from the team, they called us saying, hey, Henry, um, where are you? How do we get into this place? So I went back over, met, met them at the same place. And then they were like, yeah, let's go to your ice cream kiosk. I was walking them into Westfield. So it was a really busy weekend day. So it was rammed. And I was just in the, there was like 10 of their team, like these huge guys. And I was just in front of them, like leading them all to my kiosk. It was such a surreal moment. Like I was filming myself, like just casually walking with Dante Wilder's team. And like people were like swarming him. And then, yeah, then he came into my kiosk. He made a pan and ice. And at that time, like people obviously started getting their cameras out. And we literally had a swarm of people around. Like Westfields wasn't shut down because Dante Wilder was at the ice cream kiosk. So everyone was there. Security were like trying to control everything. And he was literally in my kiosk just making ice cream. Yeah, it was mental. It was so much fun. But that was my second favourite one I've seen. And then did Amelia come and do a chicken nugget one? The girl from Chicken Shop Day. Yeah, yeah, she came. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my favourite one. Yeah. Because I was just like, why is she doing yeah, a chicken I think, nugget? I think that's on YouTube. She came and did a, yeah, a, chick, a chicken nugget one, yeah. I only remember these things when people say them to me again, because there's literally like, we, I've had so many moments like that in Pan and Ice. Like, I literally forget everything. We've seen some crazy people, mate. We've been on like ITV this morning. This is Eaton Mess. Yeah. Um, Harry had an Oreo cookie one earlier, we which we haven't quite got over yet. There's Ferrero Rochers, yeah. which is my favourite. Peanut butter, Reese, everything. And this is the good God, stuff. I feel all under pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're making me nervous. Go on, Henry. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got to spread it out into a rectangle. Yeah. So it's getting thin and icy. Yeah. And then we... Roll it oh up. my yeah. goodness, like it's so. magic! And if you were going to make that, that, this is that requires so much skill. Oh, and he's no go, guys. It's so beautiful. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's ice cream, but not as we know it. Let's Super see what you think it. about it. Personally, I think it's a much lot nicer. <gasps> Verdict? You're amazing. It's perfect. Out of ten? Oh, ten. Philip, you're yeah, twelve. You're perfect. Oh, bless it's you. It's so good. <laughs> it's you. so fresh and delicious. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. I will take. Oh, this look, it's snatching. I know. I will take this with me. Who's been the favourite person you've made an ice cream for? This is actually quite tough. There's a chef called Raymond Blanc. He was at Arsenal. We we're doing an event there. We made had an ice, made an ice cream for him there. I think that was just so cool because he's like an amazing chef. I've done and then like business people. I've done like one for the CEO. The, the way we actually got into Westfields was we were at an event and randomly a, the, the CEO of Westfields Group came and got an ice cream from us. I didn't actually clock it was him, but that's quite cool. And he that's how the whole Westfield thing came about. He then. Got his in there. Oh, loads. It's, yeah, I can't even think. It's just so, so many people. You know, like Ben Francis from Gymshark, we did his events. We've done loads of like celebrity events. We did a Royals events. So like Prince William had one, which is pretty cool. Jake Paul, when we did the YouTuber, when we did the pop-up in New York, he had one in New York, which is really cool. 
I wasn't actually there at the time, but... What's your thoughts on him? I think as a marketer and like the way he grabs people's attention, he knows how to create emotion. And, uh, you know, he is, he is talent, he's, he's becoming a talented boxer. He's respect the hustle. He's working hard. I can see how he is annoying. He's, people find him an absolute idiot, but he's doing it all for a reason. He's doing it to make more money and he's doing well at that. So fair play. I think fair play to him. He took the beating from Mayweather, yeah. didn't he, the other day? But then that was just so clever. Like he took his hat and then straight away all the attention's on Jake Paul. Like he's just so good at doing that. And now he's selling his gotcha hats, probably he's selling millions probably. He's just, he's very clever. He's doing very he's well. He's banned from the event now. He's banned from his brother's fight. <laughs> I, I think we'll see him flying in or something. You, you know, there, you there. know it's going to happen. He'll, he'll find a it's way. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's all a good story as well. He's banned from the event and he manages to get in there. I reckon I wouldn't be surprised if it's Jake Paul and Logan Paul against Floyd Mayweather in the end. They both jump in there. I, I can see him not... <laughs> and then Floyd Mayweather knocks them both out. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I can see him not actually being banned, but they're just saying it's banned so that it can be a bit yeah. of like a WWE storyline. Exactly. Jake Paul's broken in, like, oh my it, God. Exactly. It will be one of the most viewed events. I think obviously Mayweather's going to absolutely destroy him. Like it's Floyd Mayweather, it's pretty obvious, but it's going to be funny. What I quite liked as well is obviously you guys had obviously Corona hit and everything like that. Obviously, I'm guessing everywhere, everywhere to shut. Was it quite soon that you came up with the idea for the DIY yeah. kits to do everything at home? Yeah, when COVID came, obviously our normal business was like the kiosks and the events. So obviously when COVID came, it kind of shut that business down temporarily. You know, I furloughed pretty much all my staff. The business wasn't really doing anything at that time. It was very quiet. So I was just at home thinking, you know, what can I do to keep the business moving forward? And that's when, I mean, I already, we always had the idea of these DIY kits. We knew about them. We weren't really prepared to do them yet. But anyway, that gave me the acceleration, the, you know, the push to actually go and get them sorted and done. Yeah, that's when it all started. I literally I reached out to manufacturers, received loads of samples. You know, a lot of the samples weren't working properly or I didn't like them. So I had to do some tweaks, et cetera, packaging, all of that stuff. It took me a couple of months, but then, yeah, I launched it in June last year. So it was a bit of a slow start because I had never done an off-the-shelf e-commerce product. It, like, it was completely new to me. So there was so much to learn, you know, build a e-commerce website it started really slow so i just didn't know how to market it i didn't know how to get sales in etc and people just didn't really know what i was talking about but then eventually it started to really take off i got more advice i got things like you know facebook ads all of that set up and you know before we knew it we were literally we were going crazy i remember actually before we launched one of the good things i did was i created a wait list which is like you know, we're launching something really cool. Put your name and email down here to sign up for the wait list. Can't give away what it is now. I think I got that to, oh, it's a few thousand names on that. I think it's like 5,000 people joined that wait list. So when I dropped the product eventually, straight away, a lot of the stock went out straight away. I was expecting kind of a sellout, but it didn't quite work like that. I think people joined the wait list thinking they're getting something free. But yeah, it's a lot of sold out straight away. But then there was a quiet period of like, how do I sell the rest of them? It started ticking over really well. 
And now today it's become like the main part of the business, I would say. So that's the part of the business which we're looking to scale and we're looking to move forward with now the most. So we're, yeah, we just got a new stock in recently, which you kindly ordered one of. And we have now plans to expand that internationally. So looking at America, for example, looking to get that launched very soon. So we stock them out there and send them out there. And yeah, grow that around the world and sell thousands of them. Do you think TikTok's been a big help with selling it? I've seen a lot of your TikToks called my For You page. Just like the crazy different ideas and flavors and stuff like that. Do you think that was a big thing? TikTok definitely helps. TikTok was interesting though. So we got a big following in TikTok. So we thought we could like put some ads out on TikTok, et cetera. And loads of people come buy it from there. But what we found is with TikTok, it's more of just a creative platform for like entertainment. People don't want to really come off TikTok. They want to scroll through and see really cool content. So actually we couldn't monetize the following of TikTok very well, we found. However, Instagram and Facebook was a lot better for us. We found the people on there, the audience were willing to purchase something from us a lot more. So, and we just kind of accepted that. We, you know, it was a bit annoying with TikTok at first that we can monetize all these followers we had, but we just kind of accepted it. And now we just kind of we're far less pushy on TikTok. You know, we it's more about organic, like entertaining content, keeping it fresh, like wacky flavors, etc. And then Instagram, Facebook, we have more of a strategy for how we're going to use it, use that platform to sell the kits. I mean, I don't make TikToks. I've always had to clear this up whenever I say that. You'll never catch me making a TikTok, but yeah. I do like. I mean, <laughs> you're there, like, oh, let me quickly delete them. But I do like yeah. how it can just go viral. Yeah. And what we've found is there's no like it's random stuff that goes viral like it's completely random like we'll create a really cool TikTok or what we think is and it won't do well and then something that's really standard or like just ordinary like it will suddenly go viral there's no real pattern we can find about it which is a bit annoying so we're literally having to test loads of new ideas all the time but yeah it's crazy like when we first launched TikTok we were getting just so many views everything was going viral and now it's completely different now you've really got to like just create loads of different content and then one, you know, one out of 10 will do really well. So for you, I'm guessing plans 2022 and going forward, is it, are you trying to open some more of the kiosks? Are you trying to do more of the corporate stuff or is it now the DIY kits? Yes, we've got the DIY business, we've got the events business and we've got the kiosk business. So kind of want to, we're we're growing all of them. I've got like a really good team who like work on each part of the business. So, but so with with the kiosk business, we're potentially going to open up a couple more locations in the UK, COVID obviously depending, I don't want to, sign up to anything that's you know potentially can be shut down very quickly and then events events are now starting to come back really strong and events is a lovely part of our business that helps get the brand out we work with amazing companies like google youtube etc so really focus on them again got an amazing team that kind of do most of that now for me so i don't need to spend too much time there the at home kit is really where we see the future of the business going into this e-commerce you know bring in the experience into people's homes because we've got a massive following. So for us, it's quite, you know, it's a finally we've created something where all of our following can experience Panelice at home rather than just see it on, you know, the Instagram, they can actually see it and feel it and taste it. 
which we think is really key. So, you know, we want to get our kits in you know, like supermarkets. You want to sell the ice creams in supermarkets, you know, department stores. We want, it, we want it to be everywhere eventually. So that's what we're kind of doubling down on at the moment is this new innovative product that we've launched. And I guess the good thing about the kiosks where they're not everywhere, people do travel a little bit to see them. If they're in London, they might be like, yeah. oh, I really want to try one. Because that's when I wasn't supposed to go to Westfield yeah. today that I went. And I obviously remember, yeah. I was like, oh no, let's go to Westfield. I want to try one of the ice creams. Yeah, yeah. And I think I waited in the queue for like half an hour or something like that. And I was just like, oh. yeah. Uh, every, everyone says that like I go have you seen Palace? they're like oh that's the place with the massive queue yeah I've seen it but I can never be bothered to queue you know <laughs> like, everyone always talks about the, there's always a big queue which is a really I'm happy about that I think it's a great problem to have but it goes down quick it does go down quick yeah it does it doesn't look like it does it depends it's always it, a big queue it depends who's working and um, how many people are working so if you've got a busy day and they've got all six pounds on then yeah that queue will go down very quickly but sometimes you know, might have a new starter or it's a slow day with only like a couple of people on. It's a bit slower. I mean, when the DIY kit came as well, I think the first thing I did, I took it out of the freezer and I saw the writing at the top saying, do not touch aluminium plate. And I was like, I'm going to touch it now, aren't I? <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> we all did. We were like, what? Exactly. Literally, when someone says don't touch something, yeah. It's when your fingers are like, have like moisture on them. So if you dip in water and then touch it, that's when it sticks. Don't go try that. The whole point of the show you might be aware is that we want to help our listeners identify what their spike is and what I say or what I mean that is the thing that they possess that's unique to them that makes them stand out in a crowded marketplace so what do you think your spike is mine's taken six years to develop but it's an ability to perceive and, and look at failure in a completely different light um, and mistakes so I used to get really annoyed when you no know, bad things happened or I made mistakes and I used to get really worked up about it and used to completely control my emotions for days, weeks. Like it would really affect me. It would affect people around me personally, business, staff. And it had, you know, it was having detrimental effect on my day-to-day enjoyment of pan and ice. But what I've learned over time is I've learned to like sit back a lot more, remain calm. And it's really not been easy, but like literally I see mistakes now and I see if I'm, you know, a member of my, my team, you know, does something really bad or mucks up. I try like, to sit back, understand issues a lot more. I try not to react straight away. And that for me has completely changed the whole business. The way I lead people now is completely different. I don't micromanage. I'm not always over them, you know, checking in. And it, eventually what it allows you to do is it allows you to like, with a cool head, sit back, you know, step back from the day-to-day running of the business, allow your amazing team to, you know, tackle problems themselves and then learn from those problems and allows me then to grow on, you know, work on new product development, new business, which is, as a founder, is really where I should be, you know, rather than, you know, rather than day-to-day getting stressed about things that are irrelevant and someone else can easily solve. And so that's my biggest thing is looking, yeah, perceiving failure as something completely different and seeing it, remain calm about it and just seeing it as another obstacle that we'll overcome and learn from moving forward. I think that it's quite key as well. You said about the team where you can have folks on the other parts of the business and leading it is mm. also, it's like little things like annual leave. Mm. If you try to go on a holiday, the first couple of years business, you're, you work the whole time. I when you everyone yeah, used to hate yeah, yeah. I, I say if I went away even like a day out like day drinking whatever I made I'd be sat yeah, on emails yeah. the whole time but now that you know you've got those people that you can actually rely on and I think a lot when you oh, do yeah, when a lot of people micromanage is that they can't ever do that and when people actually let 
but they let him have autonomy. They actually trust in them. They know that they can be away sort yeah. of two days, not look at their emails, and they know that exactly. nothing drastic is going to happen. I mean, if Deontay Wilder rocked up again, you'd probably be down at one of the kiosks. Doesn't matter where you are. I'll be taking a flight back home. <laughs> you just need to get him and Anthony Joshua on either side of the kiosk so you can make the best ice cream. Yeah. Oh, the spatulas. <laughs> Could you imagine? That'd end badly, wouldn't it? That would not be good at all. Oh, God. That would be bad. Yeah, not, not ideal. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone that's looking to set up a business? Don't wait for the perfect opportunity because it doesn't really exist. So um, just like break it down a bit and just get out there and start with a minimum viable product. Again, that's what I did. You know, I didn't think about it too much. I literally dropped out of uni, bought a machine, bought a gazebo, looked at events I wanted to be at, applied for them. Just break it down. Don't overcomplicate things because you can waste a lot of money and time trying to get to a perfect scenario. You just launch it and then you realize it's not what the customer wants. You're only going to know that once you actually launch something and you learn from the reviews, you learn from feedback, you learn from mistakes. So just... Don't think about it too much and get started. Everyone has all these amazing ideas and I'm going to launch this, that, that nine times out of 10, no one actually goes ahead and does it physically. And that's the difference. Like be the one that actually does something. Have you been back to Thailand to the place that you originally saw it? I try to go every year. So me and my girlfriend go, we, we go now to do, there's like a, like, a, like a fitness Muay Thai camp thing. And it's so good. Like we enjoy our exercise. So when we go there and it's just, it's not just fitness. Like you, you know, you work out and you also go like around all the beaches and stuff. So I go pretty much every year, except from the last couple of years because COVID, but um, I can't wait to go back. Literally I'm dying to go back. Is the back. same stool still there where you originally saw it? No. So I went back, I was there a couple of years ago. It was just some random shop. I was so annoyed. I got a picture outside of it though, but there was one like opposite sort of down the road. So I went there. And then whenever I go there, I always like say, can I either go? And then I go behind and they're like, oh my God, like, can you work here? <laughs> you ever tell them? Or you just be yeah. like, oh no, this is the first time I saw it. I'll just go along with it. Like, oh, I just naturally, obviously. Yeah, really I, good, <laughs> I just, I go along with it. I say, oh my God, no, it's my first time. They say, how are you? Because they're good. I was like, just watch you. <laughs> That must, that must really annoy yeah. as well, though. They're like, that was you're just showing yeah. me out now. Some of them, I went to one of them and they actually knew who I was from obviously Pan and Ice. And they were like, oh, you're, you're Mr. Pan and Ice. Like, they knew about the brand, which is crazy in Thailand. But yeah, it's fine. What's, what's your favorite flavor? Oh, I really like pistachio white chocolate and sea salt caramel it's really nice like you put the pistachio and white chocolate in the ice cream like and then you spread it out then once it's spread out in its rectangle you get like loads of sea salt caramel and just like go over the rectangle with it like a little squiggle all over the rectangle and then when you roll it up you basically have a layer of like caramel like just more caramel in every bite and it's just oh it's really good. That's my secret flavor. I've also got another flavor, but I'm not allowed to say about that one. That's like that's my secret secret. But. I was about to say I would not be trying to do that one at home tonight. I was like, that's yeah, yeah. No, that one, <laughs> that was a bit a bit complex. And also, getting pistachio pastries is just so expensive. So you probably won't want to spend like 500 quid on a tub of pistachio. No, probably not. <laughs> no thanks. I'll give that one to you. What's the best bit of advice someone has ever given you? Well, I mean, God, I've got so much advice. Probably you don't know what you don't know. Never assume I know everything. And that, that helps me take advice. I'm always keep, I'm more of an ears person now rather than a talker. I used to be the other way around, but kind of giving everyone an opportunity and also makes me reach out to a lot more people. So, you know, when I'm at the gym, I always, you know, find out what, you know, ask people what they do. And yeah, just, just network. You don't know what you don't know is a quite a cool, something I always think about all the time. Who is your ideal customer as in someone famous? 
ideal customer. I mean, Jeff Bezos is pretty cool. You're going to say Elon Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, they're both. Yeah. I, I could have equally said Elon Musk there to be fair. At Tesla's. Again, I would do it on his, I would do it on his rocket as well. I would, find that fascinating. He was driving around New York. And then just hope it lands. Smoothly. It was a, <laughs> a bit, a bit of a bad landing, but I saw he was driving around New York, wasn't he? In the new, um, Tesla truck. I need to sell a few more ice creams before I can get one of them. Do you like them? Well, yeah, I think they're quite, I think they're just unique, aren't they? You just, you know, if you stand out, no one else is going to have one. Definitely, you'll be right. I'll, I'll be there like walking to the co-op and I'll see you pulling up and I'll be there like, <laughs> got Tesla truck. I'll be like, who's that? And then I'll be there like, ah, that makes sense now. <laughs> Did you see when he tested the windows on the uh, reveal of it and it, I don't know, he got a sledgehammer, but it wasn't meant to smash. And when he hit the sledgehammer on the window, it smashed. Sure. I think it was all PR yeah. stunt. It's probably just, yeah, again, create attention, but um, it was funny. He's, well, he's a strange guy, though, isn't he? Maybe that was a little too hard. Yeah. It didn't go through. That's so that's a, that's a plus side. Let's try the right. Try the one, really? Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, man. It's, yeah, he's strange, but amazing. I love like him. You've got to have a weird edge. His son's <laughs> name, I can't remember what it was now. They made him change it, though, didn't they? Oh, yeah. His brain works in a unique way. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to spend a day with him, just like out for lunch or something. Or, do you know what, actually? I'd like to go day drinking with him. I think a normal person wouldn't be able to understand what he's saying half the time. His brain works so quickly. Like, he just is ridiculous. His, the pace of his brain cannot compare to anyone else. Personally, I absolutely love that, hearing about how Pan and I started, the adventure so far, and a throwback to when I used to serve Henry at our local shop. Really enjoyed as well Henry's spike and his advice for anyone that's looking to set up a business. Um, I think it would really add value to anyone that is looking to go down that route. Just a quick one as well. Let us know across our socials what your favorite episode is and share it with your friends as well. It might be that you need to hear Alex's opinions and advice on mental health or David Templer speaking about TikTok or Lewis Ellis speaking about being yourself. As always, if you did enjoy that, hit the follow button, leave us a review and follow us across all social media at The Spike Pod.